0: Tonight, coincidentally, we are talking about family. Now, families are an amazing thing. Families are so different. That one word, family, can be described so differently in in, in different contexts. You know, every family unit is different, right? And the differences aren't just small things. They're astounding. Sometimes the differences are very obvious, the part of the world you live in, what your background is, what your ethnicity is, what your culture is. But there are also um, these intangible differences that we see between different families, financial values, customs, traditions, upbringing, and even advice. Uh, the, the fellowship question, what's, um, what's one piece of advice that you've received from a family member I remember when I was, um, I would have been about 20, and my mum has only ever given me this one piece of advice. She she only said it once, and it shocked me so much that I still remember it. Uh, As a a young 20-year-old, I I was very uh, social and used to go out a lot and meet a lot of friends, and and, and I would drive uh, my 19... 94 green Toyota Camry, oh, best car in the world. Um, and one night I was heading out and my mum would always say, you know, what time are you coming home? And I'd say, you know, probably late. Um, and she'd go, you know, drive safe and that'd be it. And I don't know why, but one night as I was getting out of the house, she ran out as if she, she needed to tell me something really important. And she yells at the top of her voice, be safe. Don't drink and drive. (laughs) And I was so shocked because I was like, how does my mum know that I drink? But I just remember that. But that is a very good piece of advice. Please don't drink and drive. You know, when Mel and I got married 14 and a half years ago, we realised very quickly that we were very different people. And one of the reasons why we were very different was because of our families and our family structures. There are so many different uh, things that I could talk about, but but one of the things was Mel's family w- was a very tight knit family. Um, everyone in everyone was involved in every other person's life. Everyone was involved in everyone else's business in that family. Yet. I grew up in a family that was very independent. And we we were like four members in a family that had individual lives that just coexisted together. Now, I'm not saying one is right or wrong, but there's a clear difference. And so when two people came together to create what we call family, it was absolute nightmare. Because our definition of family was completely different. This caused a lot of issues for us after our marriage and even after having kids. And for 14 years, one of the constant things that we have to do is continue to learn, appreciate and accept each other's family learnings to create the family of our own. Now we're in the middle of Proverbs and Proverbs are a bunch of sayings that provide wisdom and advice. And the Proverbs speaks a lot about families. And that's why we've called tonight's sermon, Family Matters. It matters to God. And that's why the Proverbs speaks so much about it. And I'm going to give you the conclusion before going into the body. But the conclusion of Proverbs with family is this. There are two, out of all the different families, Out of all the different distinctions, if you were to give the most simple distinction that the Proverbs give, it's this, you can either build your family with wisdom, or you can build your family without wisdom. You can build your family with the fear of God, or you can build your family without God. And the Proverbs are going to tell us, like all the other topics that we've had, That it's our choice. It's our choice to build our families. It's our choice to build them with wisdom, with the fear of the Lord. Or you can choose to build your family without wisdom, without God. And the Proverbs will say that that is foolishness. Now, before we get into the specific relationships, let let me share with you some overarching Proverbs before we get into the specific ones, Proverbs 15.6, the house of the righteous contains great treasure, but the income of the wicked brings ruin. 15.7, uh, better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. That could be a sermon in its own. What a great verse. Better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. Verse 7, uh, chapter 17 verse 1, better a dry crust with peace than and quiet than a house full of feasting but with strife. Righteousness, love, and peace, qualities that define what a wise family is, but all of this is a choice. It's a choice that we make. And it's a choice that every member in the family must take personal responsibility for. Now, we're going to look at five different groups in the family unit that the Proverbs speaks about. Some of these are going to be a little bit more relevant for you, and some of them might not be, but hear it. And hear what the Scripture says about wisdom in our families, okay? Don't email me. This is what the Bible says, okay? Okay? Strictly sticking to scripture. Here we go. The, number one, wives. Okay? Proverbs 14.1, The wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. The wife has a choice in the family. They can choose to build that family up or they have the power to, to actually tear it down such is the power and the position of wives proverbs 12:4 a wife of noble character is her husband's crown but a disgraceful wife is like decay in his bone in the same way this proverb tells us that the wife can either be the shining light for the husband right the husband's crown the pride and joy of his life, or can be one of the greatest sources of pain and suffering in his life. Such is the position of the wife. Right? Literally, this is what it says. Okay? I love these two verses. Proverbs 21.9 Better to live on a corner of the roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. Right? Verse 19, better to live in the desert than with a quarrelsome and nagging wife. And all the husbands said whatever you want to say, okay? I I have a very close friend of mine who's also married. And we always joke about whether we've spent time on each other's roofs that week. Going back to this verse. Wives, you have the power and the choice to build your family and to build your marriage. Or you could tear it apart and knock it all down. So wives, choose wisely. Two, husbands, Proverbs 27, the righteous lead blameless lives, blessed are their children after them. In a similar fashion, husbands understand the position of authority you hold in your household, in your family. And one of the key messages to husbands that comes not just from the Proverbs but through all Scripture is this word of influence through modeling. You can either, husbands listen, you can either be the best thing for your family or you can be the worst. It's a choice that every husband must make. Husbands, you have that choice. Proverbs 18.22, He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favour from the Lord. Husbands, understand that your wives are a blessing to you in your life, not a burden or an obligation. Acknowledge and recognise that your wife is a blessing from God. Be honest, husbands. When's the last time You were thankful for your wife. When's the last time you were like, Lord, thank you for allowing me to be married to my wife. So many times we see in marriages break down because they stop acknowledging each other. Husbands, the day you stop acknowledging your wife as a blessing, and as favor from God is the moment you forget who she is. Friends with friends, husbands, my friends, acknowledge and recognize your wife. She is a blessing because if you don't, you may end up on the roof of your house. Okay. They're all connected. Okay. Number three, the elderly. Proverbs 20:29 20, The glory of young men is their strength gray hair the splendor of the old Proverbs 16:31 gray hair is a crown of splendor it is attained in the way of righteousness Now the elderly may be grandparents maybe your parents maybe older uncles and aunties but the proverbs tell us that the elderly deserve respect and deserve to be acknowledged for the life they have lived. The crown of splendor, the gray hair is actually a trophy. It's not something to go, oh, you're over the hill. You've got nothing to offer. But actually that gray hair is a trophy that all the younger people should look up to and acknowledge and go, congratulations on getting there. That crown of splendor allows us to listen, to hear, and to learn from the elderly. How many times do we write off older people because they're old? Think about what they've gone through, think about the life that they've lived. You can learn from that, you can learn from their experience. We need to recognize the elderly. Recognize the trophy of a long-lived life. Number four, parents. Proverbs 22.6, start children off on the way they should go and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Parents, be intentional about how you raise your children and know this. There are two ways you can raise your child. You can raise them in a wise manner or you can raise them in a foolish manner. Can I tell you, my wife and I, we've been doing ministry for 15 years. And when we speak to people, and I'm not talking about kids, when we speak to adults, about some of the insecurities that they have in their life, or some of the chaos that exists even as adults. So many of those issues go back to parenting, to their parents, their relationship with their mum or dad. Parents understand you hold Play-Doh in your hands. And the way you choose to mold, to train, to nurture, your child will have lifelong effects on them. But in the same way, your choice not to nurture, not to love, not to look after them will also have lifelong effects. Now, one of the big themes that continues to come in the Proverbs to do with parenting is this word, discipline. Now, discipline, definition, is the practice of making people obey rules or standards of behavior and punishing them when they do not. Discipline has somehow in our society become a little bit of a dirty word. But listen to the definition again. The practice of making people obey rules or standards or standards of behavior and punishing them when they do not. And the Proverbs speak so much about disciplining your children. Here's a few verses. Proverbs 29 17 discipline your children. It's pretty black and white. Discipline your children, and they will give you peace. They will bring you the delights you desire. 19.18, discipline your children for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to their death. 22.15, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far away. Discipline scripture tells us, can lead to peace and hope. But the lack of discipline can lead to folly and even death. When when parents choose not to discipline their children, and I'm not even going to go into what kind of discipline. You know, there's a big conversation about what discipline looks like should you hit your kid, right? Right? I'm not even going to tell you, you know, should you hit them, should you not hit them? What does the Bible say about that? You work that out. I'm not even going to talk about the, the the method of discipline, but when you choose not to discipline your children, they are the, the parents become what the Proverbs will call a willing party to the death of that child. You are an accomplice. That's what the Proverbs are saying. If you as a parent do not discipline your child, that when your child messes up later, you as a parent are responsible. You're an accomplice to their crimes because you didn't discipline them. Why? Simply put, you're stuffing them. You're stuffing them up. Parents, can I just get one thing very clear? The goal of your life as a parent is not to become the best friend of your child. Just because you don't have friends, don't have kids and try to make them your friends. That's not the goal of parenting. I see so many parents, that's their, that's what, how they're upraising the kid. They just want to be loved by their kid. They just want to be their, the kid's best friend trying to earn the the, the love of the child through their actions or inactions. Parents, your job is to be the parent and raise your children to know what is and what isn't. That's discipline. And the Bible says, the Bible says you've got to punish. You've got to show them what's not only what's right and wrong, but you've got to actually follow through. With what you say. Now, that doesn't even guarantee. You, you can be the best parents in the world. That doesn't guarantee your kids will turn out good. But you've got to do your job. One of the most frustrating things, right? And we've we've gone from a church, when we first started the church eight years ago, the only kids were were my kids, right? And in the last eight years, we've grown. We've People are married, people are having kids, and they're at that age, you know, sort of the one to five to six to seven. We're at that age where discipline is so important because kids are learning what is right and wrong. But can I tell you one of the most frustrating things to watch is when parents let the kids be parents. Parents give up their right of being a parent, and they let the kids run the show. They, they let the kids determine their schedule. They let the kids determine their budget. They let their kids determine their plans. And everything in their family runs with the kid in the middle. I'll give you an example, and this is a very real example. I've had parents come late to church why are you really late? My kid was sleeping, taking a nap. So, wake him up. You know? Oh, but you know, they were taking a nap. I promise you, you would not turn up to work late because your kid was taking a nap. You would wake up that kid because you have to go to work. You would wake up that kid Because you have things to do, and yet when it comes to church, it's like, oh, the kid was taking a nap. This is what it means when parents are not being parents and allowing the kid to determine what is right and wrong. And you know what? I feel sorry for that kid. I feel sorry for that kid that didn't get disciplined because at the end of the day, they didn't have parents to raise them. They had insecure adults try to use their child to feel their own security. I don't care if it's hard. I don't care if the kid doesn't listen to you. You've got to be the parent. I'll give you an example. If your kid comes to you and has a knife, wielding a knife around, right? Goes to the kitchen, pulls a knife around. And you go, hey, that's a pretty dangerous situation. And you go to your kid, son, son. You need to give me that knife or else you're going to hurt yourself. And the kid goes, no, I like this knife. I want to play with this knife. All my other friends are playing with knives. Why are you letting me not play with a knife? What parent, what loving parent would be like, oh, okay, son, you continue to play. I don't want to upset you. Okay, I don't want to traumatize you by being too firm. I'm going to let you do what you want to do, and, and and hopefully you'll learn on your own that playing with the knife is bad for you. But it's okay. You do what you want to do. No loving parent would do that. It doesn't matter if the kid's kicking or screaming. It doesn't matter if the kid's going ballistic. You will do whatever it takes to get the knife away from the kid. You will control that situation because you know better than the kid. And yet... We see so many times kids running their households. That's foolishness. That's what the Bible calls foolishness. Parents, raise your kids with wisdom, discipline them because that's best for them and best for you. Finally, children. You know, not everyone is a parent, but everyone's a child. doesn't matter how old you are, you're still children. What does the scripture say? Children can be a man's greatest source of pride and joy or can be the most grievous burden that a man has to bear in his life. What's the difference? Wisdom. Proverbs 10.1, a wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. 15.20, a wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish man despises his mother. Proverbs 17.15, a foolish son brings grief to his father and bitterness to the mother who bore him. As much as parents have the opportunity to mold and build a child's life, each child also has the ability to bring pride and joy or even shame towards their parents. It doesn't matter how old you are. You are still someone's child. And the way you choose to live your life reflects back on those who raised you. So you need to choose wisely what kind of a child you're going to be wives husbands elderly parents and children uh, there's so much in there there's so much wisdom about the way we are called to do family you know families are complicated If you you ask, what is a normal family these days? I don't think that there is a common answer. When my wife and I got married, uh, in in, in preparing to get married, uh, our counsellors asked us, what kind of a family do you want to raise? And we both had the same answer. We want a godly family. We want a godly family. They said, great, explain to us what a godly family is. And when we started to explain it, we realized there were so many differences in what we considered a godly family. Friends, families are messy. 50% of marriages end up in divorce. There are so many people in our community come from single-parent homes. There are so many... um, and, 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 and that's not even to say that if you grew up in a home where your parents were together, that that actually was better. Families are broken. There's not a family in this world that's not broken. But the thing is this with family. Just because it's broken doesn't mean we lose hope in what family is meant to be. And it doesn't mean that it's not worth trying to pursue good family. And just because it's complicated doesn't mean we ignore it. Like with all things in our lives, the choice that the Proverbs continues to give to us is this. Will you raise your family in wisdom or will you raise your family in foolishness? And the difference is this, a wise family has God front and center. The fear of the Lord is not just fear for parents, but that is what is taught to the children. That whatever they do in life, to live wisely, meaning to make decisions based on the honor and respect and reverence for God first and foremost. But the reality is this. Most families, and I'm not even talking about families outside the church, the parents will say, or one of the spouses will say, I want a wise family. I want a godly family. But if I was to come into your home, And if I was to see how you live your life, your family life, how much of that, how much of that has God at the front and center? You know, I have many children. And one of the difficulties about having many children is having a a large age gap. My oldest is 14 and my youngest is is four months. And uh, I I kid you not, and (laughs) don't get me wrong, what you see on Instagram, right? what I post on Instagram about our family is the 0.01% of our family. What you see on social media is the highlight reel of our family. But I promise you, It's the 99.99% that you don't get to see. That's the real stuff. And I I can confess, it's really hard. It's really hard raising a, a family with wisdom, meaning it's really hard raising a family in our marriage and with our children of putting God first. You know, sometimes, and a lot of people would have this experience, A lot of my kids, they get invited to birthday parties on a Sunday. And most of the time, because we've got bird in the morning and they chat in the afternoon, a lot of the times we cannot send our kids because we prioritize church before a birthday party. And so my kids, in one sense, they kind of lose out. But it's funny, and and this is not a judgment onto other parents, because I'm just saying it's, it's difficult, but there's... There's decisions that you have to make as a, as, a, as a family that honor God. But it's so much easier to just do whatever the world says, you know, because so, social relationships are important. Well, here's another one, right? Sending your kids and, and I guess older kids, right, to coaching college on a Sunday instead of going to church or sending kids and prioritizing language rather than faith. I remember about, I think it was about 12 years ago, I was preaching at a a group of mums, not at a group of mums, with a group of mums, to a group of mums in a Korean church, the church I used to be at. And I figured I got one sermon with these guys. All right, they're not going to invite me back. It's okay. Let's just go. And one of the most frustrating things, I'll tell you, one of the most frustrating things is even in the church, especially in the migrant church, especially in the Korean church, how much emphasis parents would put on being culturally Korean. How much more that that was more important, learning to speak Korean, learning to understand Korean culture, learning to uh, appreciate the, the Korean ethnicity inside of them, even though we live in Australia, right, versus faith. And I still remember this. I still remember this, what I said to them. And it was a little bit, I was younger, you know, I probably, you know, I just, I wasn't as smart as, you know, I am now. I wasn't wise at all. But I remember saying this. I said, mums, I don't care if your kid is the smartest kid in the world because they go to tutoring. I don't care if they have perfect English and perfect Korean because what is the point of having perfect bilingual ability in hell?" Right? And I remember some mums go. And as I said, I never got invited back. but, But that's the point. In your family, think, in your family, is there wisdom in the way that it operates? Meaning, is God front and center? I'm not just talking about your life now. I'm talking about your family. The practices of your family, and you know what? It's hard. It's hard. I'm I'm not. I'm not like you're going to go out and you're going to change the world, and suddenly you're. You know things are going to change. You. It's hard. It's hard work. But you do it because it matters. Because family matters. You do it because you love your spouse. You do it because you love your kids. And the best thing, and I'm telling you this to your friends, to your parents, even your parents, the best thing that you can give to your family is not money. It's not even loyalty. It's not even joy. The best thing that you can give to your family, your parents, your children, your cousins, your siblings, best thing you can give to them is jesus is the gospel of jesus because the gospel of jesus is the only thing that can take a spiritually dead person and give them life not just here but in eternity i've said this before i could honestly if god came down and said steve i'll make you a deal You can ask for one thing, but for that, you have to give your life. I said, God, easy. I want you to be the Lord and savior of all of my kids. Easily give up my life. Why? Because money is not important. Because loyalty doesn't last. Because comfort, early retirement, good schools, good home, good car, happiness, all things that are fleeting. The only thing that matters is whether that individual has a personal relationship with Jesus, that that individual knows that they are sinful and they deserve death. But because of the love of God, God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for that person's sin. And when that person chooses to trust in the Lord Jesus, that their sins are forgiven and they're taken away, the old is gone and the new has come and they get to not just live a new life on earth, but they get to live a new life in heaven for all of eternity. That That has to be the foundation of your family. So, friends, you really need to think about this. If your parents are non believers, you need to pray for them. In your marriage, You think communication is the most important thing? No. Gospel is the most important thing. If you've got kids, what are you raising your kids for? And here's the thing, and I know I feel like I'm I'm having a little bit more of a go on parents, but this goes for everyone in every relationship you have. It's not about what you say. It's about how you actually live that in your life, how it acts out in your life. You can't tell your kid and you can't tell your spouse, Jesus is the Lord and Savior of your life. And they're watching you. And for six and a half days, you have no interaction with Jesus. And then you turn up to church to tick the box. Every kid, every spouse, every member of your family would know, no, no, Jesus is not that important. It's about how you live your life and how you choose wisdom over foolishness. Let me finish with this. My father, um, a great man, my hero, um, we didn't really grow up together. A typical migrant, um, just worked, worked really hard. Worked really hard. I, I, didn't, I didn't really know what he did. I was very young. I was very naive. And if you actually ask me, Steve, what are are the memories that you have of your dad? You know, from zero to 15, 18 even. There's a few memories that I have with my dad, you know, playing golf. You know, my, my dad's the one who taught me to play golf. He taught me how to ride a bike. But one of the things that I look back and is probably one of the clearest memories is that I would wake up really early because I just wanted to watch cheese TV. I just wanted to watch TV, right? I was addicted to TV. And I would wake up, you know, 5.36. I was one of those kids. And every morning I woke up, I would see the room, our study light on. And and as I was walking past, I would see my dad on the table. And I just didn't know what he was doing. You know, obviously, when you're young. And every morning he'd be there before he'd go to work. Like he's going to work at like five, you know, six, five, six in the morning. But but if I got up early enough to see him before he went to work, he'd be at his table. And later I, I worked out that he'd be reading his bible can i tell you as a son i'm very grateful for the life that my my father has given me the 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 opportunity to live in this great country you know the opportunity to to study the opportunity to live a career i guess somewhat of my choice he didn't have that All of that actually means nothing because the most important thing, I think, from my opinion, was that 30 minutes every morning where he would sit and meditate in God's word and he would pray and he'd be praying for me. I'm so grateful to my dad because he made wise choices about the way he raised our family. And that doesn't mean that I turned out all good, okay? But he made that wise choice. And I'm asking you, and I think the scriptures tonight are asking you in your family right now, with your parents, with your cousins, with your siblings, with your children and with your spouse, what are you building your family with? Wisdom? With the fear of God? Or without? Because that would be foolishness. I pray that your families would be full of wisdom. That would, you would choose wisdom over the ways of this world. And not just say it. Not just say it and share it in your life group. But that you would live it. Because that will make all the difference. Let's pray.